We have a long history of alienating people. When I say we, I'm talking about human beings. We seem to have an inclination toward social differentiation. We love to find ways to feel better than other people. Our human history is filled, it seems, with certain people dominating and ruling over other people. In the recent year, many of us have revisited this subject as we have confronted so many layers of racial injustice in our nation. We know that we, as Americans, are part of 400 years of oppression and injustice toward African Americans. Though our nation was founded on the principles of liberty and justice for all, 400 years of injustice against black people is a lot to overcome when those centuries are full of systemic racism and exploitation and alienation and oppression. When I say we, I have to include my own struggles in this. I have to recognize my own blindness. And I have to recognize how my life has been so totally shaped by white privilege. We, as Christians, have a long history of alienating people too. We have to confess how the church has long promoted exclusion and inequality. It was only 50 years ago that women were allowed to serve as officers in the Presbyterian Church. It was only in the last 20 years and really in the last decade that we have seen the light and work for equality for gay and lesbian people in the life of the church. And we keep learning how far we have yet to go because we're so good at alienating, exploiting, oppressing, categorizing, classifying people. What do we do with the people at the border? How do we relate to trans people? What do we do with those who are, frankly, different from us? Today we have another story from the Acts of the Apostles. It's a fantastic story about God and God's great concern for people who are different from us. Our inclination seems to be to alienate and oppressed, to treat with injustice or exclude. God seems to have very different plans. Listen to this story from Acts chapter 8. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. 
So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you're reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb silent before his shear, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asks Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And then Philip began to speak. And starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop. And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotos, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. First, a few insights about the details of this passage. The apostles are off in Samaria, which is north of Jerusalem. These spirit-inspired people are filled with the energy, the love of Jesus. They're sharing it with the region. Philip, the apostle in this story, has a particular mission. And it says this, The angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. When the Spirit gives instruction like that, you can't sit around. You gotta go. Here's something to note right away from this story. God is not just found in sacred sanctuaries and springtime sunsets. God is also along the wilderness road We should never forget that, especially when we find ourselves along or on a wilderness road. God is always at work, wherever we find ourselves, to transform, to renew. God never lets us go. God keeps showing up in unexpected places, even wilderness places. Then the story continues. A fine chariot comes along this particular wilderness road. The chariot has a driver, and it has a chauffeured rider, an Ethiopian eunuch. The spirit says to Philip, catch him. Run and catch the chariot. Philip, running along, comes next to the eunuch, and here's the eunuch reading from the prophet Isaiah. We never, ever learn the name of this Ethiopian eunuch, but we learn that he is secretary of the treasury under the Queen Candace of Ethiopia, and he's been in Jerusalem 
on a pilgrimage, a religious pilgrimage. It was on his way home from that special place that the high point of his pilgrimage occurred. We might call it a borderland moment. This is when people of profound difference enter a new possibility of life. This is when something happens to change people who would ordinarily be far apart. A borderland moment. They are together in intimate space, borderland, and they share a common experience and a common identity. That's what's happening on the chariot. Philip, this well-known apostle, deeply connected to Jesus, and this eunuch, they couldn't be more different physically, culturally, socially. The eunuch is from Ethiopia. Ethiopia is a place considered to be the farthest place in the world from Jerusalem, the outer limits of the known world. He's black. And his difference is also marked by his sexuality, neither unambiguously male or female. The eunuch in that ancient day was really an ultimate slave. This person may reside close to royalty with some privileges like a chariot, but he is not a man in the traditional sense, and he may reside near power, but he's a eunuch. Therefore, he has no power. So this Ethiopian eunuch represents then the outer boundary, the far extreme of where God might send the apostles with the message of Jesus' love and Jesus' light. Put another way, who would have ever guessed that God's spirit would land so significantly in the chariot of an Ethiopian eunuch on some wilderness road? Again, a borderland moment, and God is powerfully present and at work. There's a beautiful line from the great spiritual writer Augustine. Augustine says, Our hearts are restless until they rest in God. We should never forget that, that that applies to all of us, confident or struggling, rich or poor, younger or older, black or white gay, straight, trans, from near, from far, Jewish, Christian, Muslim, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. The Ethiopian eunuch embodied in the chariot that very longing for God. When Philip ran up, it was a moment filled with divine presence and inspiration. And Philip began to speak. And starting with that particular scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news of Jesus. I've thought lots about how you summarize the good news of Jesus. There was a man named Jesus who was different from any other person who ever lived 
but who also lived a life like every other person, you know, walking the dusty roads and sharing meals and experiencing the joys and the losses, the gains and sorrows of life. This man, Jesus, so filled with God's Spirit, also lived and taught about God and God's love. He helped, he healed, he embodied peace, he worked for justice, he cared the most about the sick and the sad and the people on the margins. Jesus was who the prophet Isaiah was speaking about, who was gentle as a sheep and innocent as a lamb. He was the one humiliated and slaughtered and hadn't let out so much as a peep to save himself. As for his generation, as for his time, all you can say was that he belongs to all time and to every generation. He embodied the kind of centered, selfless life of God in our midst. God among us, God with us, God saving us, God showing us eternal life, eternal life. On first hearing of Jesus, Helen Keller that marvelous person originally cut off from all hearing and all seeing who like the Ethiopian had no way to understand unless somebody helped her, showed her Helen Keller on first hearing of Jesus she said this I knew there had to be somebody like that I knew there had to be somebody like that Jesus is God with us, God for us, God teaching us how to live, God showing us how to love, how to find peace, how to find wholeness. The good news of Jesus intends to send us in a new direction of worshiping and loving, send us in a new direction of living and serving. Somehow, whatever Philip said to the Ethiopian in the eunuch. It brought him life, and it brought him life and light. What follows that little episode of the two in the chariot is one of the most amazing baptism stories ever. God has already shown us in this story how much God wants the eunuch The Spirit sent Philip running after the chariot. The Spirit then provides water right along the road. And the eunuch says, look, there's water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? The eunuch wants God as much as God wants the eunuch. They will wait no longer for each other. The chariot stops by the side of the road. They descend into the water and Philip baptizes the Ethiopian and a new journey begins for everyone in this story. And that, a new journey, that is the very point of baptism. A new journey with God and for God. We're not lost, we're found. We're not just in a constant state of wandering we go with God we're not just floundering about and puzzled about how we should live or what we should do no we seek to love God and 
love what God loves. We seek to love God and serve God in the world, helping and healing like Jesus. A new journey from our baptisms. Baptism always intends to reframe life for us with God and for God. And the story ends. It says Philip is snatched away and sent to other places for more of the Spirit's work. And the eunuch, well, he goes on his way rejoicing. Could there be a better line? On his way rejoicing. An Ethiopian, a eunuch with a peculiar sexuality, a slave, all symbolizing someone we would assume would be beyond the interests, the expectations, the identities of God's faithful people. He's chased down, he's cared for, he's nurtured, he's baptized, and he goes on his way rejoicing. He's part of the beloved family of God. He's cleansed and claimed and covered with God's steadfast love, and he's called to figure it out. What does it mean to be a disciple, loving and serving God in the world, faithful devotion and service, following Jesus on his way, rejoicing. I think the whole message of this great story is to challenge us afresh. When we are so good and so successful at alienating, at social differentiation, at oppressing others, God has other plans for us. Where are the borderline moments that you need to recognize and then enter? Who are the people most different from you that God asks and God actually expects you to connect with? What are the situations when we want to stay in our safe little environs, deeply rooted in our own confident assumptions? And God warns us the good news of Jesus is for everybody, for life and wholeness and hope. We got to carry that out. Where are we going to go? How's it going to lead us? That's our ongoing question, challenge. We always have work to do for God. Maybe you've heard this story. A female humpback whale had become entangled in like a spider web of crab traps and lines. She was weighed down by hundreds of pounds of traps that caused her to struggle, to stay afloat, to get to the top for air. She also had hundreds of yards of rope wrapped around her body, her tail, her torso, and even a line tugging at her mouth. A fisherman spotted her just outside uh, the Golden Gate and radioed for help. Within a few hours, the rescue team arrived and determined that she was so badly off the only way to save her was to dive in and untangle her. A very dangerous proposition. One slap of the tail could kill a rescuer. Well, they worked for hours with these curved knives and eventually freed her. When she was free, the divers say she swam in what seemed like a joyous circles round and round and then she came back to each and every diver one at a time 
nudge them, push them gently, thanking them. Some of those divers said it was the most incredibly beautiful experience of their lives. And then she was on her way rejoicing. We all encounter people and situations where God asks and God expects us to be open to the Spirit, to venture into borderland moments, even take great risks in order to bring life and light and the good news to the world. The real and certain way to be on our way rejoicing for all of us is to always see our lives as they are. They belong to God, and they're only about serving God. We're called to help and to care, to love and serve, and to be instruments of God's peace each and every day going forward. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, you love us so well. You cover us with life and light in our baptisms and you keep calling us to new and courageous ventures, borderland moments where we seek to spread your hope and love. Show us how to be on our way rejoicing. We commit to following Christ our Lord. Amen.